Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. And we welcome you to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our weekly podcast. Our signature is sharing stories of vital women between the ages of 70 to 100 plus who shatter the myth that we become irrelevant as we age. Be sure to visit womenover70.com and make a donation. Join Aging Reimagined Circle and visit the Books for Women section. Invite us to, to conduct a workshop or speak to your organization. We share relevant clips from podcast guests and offer numerous programs to enrich women's lives. And today we're excited to be talking with, with Sandra Whitmore, age 73, who lives in Brevard, North Carolina, a charming community. And we learned about Sandra Whitmore when she posted on the Women Over 70 Facebook group. Her lovely photo shows a newly married couple, ages 73 and 74, clearly enjoying their ballroom dance. Sandra was single until age 45, then widowed at 68. And now at age 73, she's married to Steve, which happened in October of 21. Sandra had three goals as a child, become a nurse, move to a warm climate, and travel. She's accomplished all three goals and more. For example, Sandra started acting in community theater in her early 50s and now has lead roles. Feeling bored during the pandemic, she started a blog, The Silver Voyager. Next, she started a YouTube channel for older viewers called Sandy Over 70. Sandra draws on her expertise in nursing as a volunteer for the Red Cross, and she and her husband are preparing to move to a continuing care retirement community. So welcome, Sandra, to Women Over 70. We're delighted to have you with us. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. So let's start with what's going on in your life at present, and uh, especially why you, you chose to do these things. So let's start with how we first um, learned about you, which is you're newly married. Yes, I am. It's very exciting. Uh, I got married in October of 2021. We had to postpone the wedding from last year for obvious reasons, mm -hmm. um, but we, we did it. We had a, a, a full big wedding with uh, a, a DJ and it was in a big hall. And I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, there were 45 people and I did it that way so that everybody could spread out and not worry about anybody getting too close during the pandemic. And um, everyone loved it. They, they felt secure there. And as far as I know, no one got sick. So it was wonderful. That's a, that's, it looks so, so wonderful on the, what you posted on our Facebook group. Um, so just uh, why, why get married at this point in life? Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. How did you meet well, your How'd you meet your your new husband, Sandra? Okay, I met my husband online um, on Match.com. Okay. And um, well, let me just say that I was single until I was forty five, and um, I I really liked being single, and I was never scared to be alone or anything. But being a widow at sixty eight is a whole nother story, mm -hmm. and you know, the trauma of being a widow and then realizing you are all alone in the world, it, it really frightened me. And I kept thinking I could die here in this house and they'll never find me for days and weeks. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, I really liked being married. I had a good marriage. 
and maybe I don't have to be married again, but I am going to find someone because I do not have children. And my two sisters are aged 92 and 94. They still live independently. They have good genes. So hopefully I have good genes. And I think I have some years ahead of me. I have good health and I am going to find someone. And that's that. And so I decided to do online dating because, well, you know, I tried a couple of things like joining groups and trying to find someone at a church and it just wasn't working. And so I said, well, I'm just going to do this online dating. And I, I joined several different ones. And I found because I live in a very small town in a rural part of the state that they really couldn't match me with anyone. So it worked out better uh, in a small town, at least, to join Match.com because it's the biggest, in the I think, in the world or the country. And even then, they matched me with people in Tennessee and South Carolina, you know, mostly. But um, I made a commitment to it. And um, I said, I'm just going to keep doing this and I am not going to give up and I'm going to consider it just, uh, you know, a social event to meet people. Uh, Nothing has to come of it. I'll just meet people and just keep doing it. And I remember meeting one man and he said, oh, I've, I've met two dozen women and I still haven't met anyone that I'm clicking with. So I said to myself, well, if he can meet two dozen women, I'm going to meet two dozen men before I even think twice about it. And Mm -hmm. so I kept going and we would, you know, meet for a cup of coffee mostly. And maybe twice I had a lunch, but it was very uh, casual. And I got up to 17 and that's when I Mm. met Steve. (laughs) So I like to tell people that you just can't meet one or two people and say, this is awful. This is not working. Um, because there's millions of people in the world, there's millions of men in the world, and how can we expect to to find them by only meeting three or five or ten people? I mean, you have to meet a lot of people to find the one. Uh-huh. <laughs> thank you. Well, that thank you. I, that's extremely encouraging. <laughs> it is so. Yes. <laughs> so tell us, uh, tell us also then about your the blog that you started during the, the pandemic. The Silver Voyager? Uh, Yeah, I was so bored. (laughs) And as we all were, after I cleaned the house completely, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? So um, I decided to start a blog. Well, I knew nothing about blogs. And so it was a surprise that it's not just writing the story. Boy, boy. I mean, there is so much to it. I'm sure you all know because you're doing a podcast. And so I had to have all kinds of training that I took online and I had to work with different Facebook communities and people would, um, you know, read my blog posts and I would read theirs. It just went on and on. And I kept learning more and more about search engine optimization and making pins to put on Pinterest and oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I, um, I have been traveling all my life. So I had plenty of stories to tell and I did post one every week. It took a week to write it. It was like writing a term paper because mm-hmm. I had to research it because some of them I, were years ago and I had to go back and try and remember and look at my photo albums and everything. <laughs> but let me say that starting a travel blog during a pandemic when no one is traveling is really not the smartest thing to do um, <laughs> because <laughs> interest level is not exactly there. <laughs> However, um, 
I learned. And um, being older, you know, I don't have the technical skills that the young people do. So I learned so much. And, um, you know, I've, I've posted seven, 71 blog posts of places mm-hmm. I've been to, and I could keep going. But um, my interest in that is dwindling because in February of 2021, I started the Sandy Over 70 YouTube channel. And again, I knew nothing about YouTube channels. Um, so I watched other YouTube channels and a lot of people out there are very willing to teach you how to have a YouTube channel. So I, I watched and watched and I learned and I learned and I decided it definitely wouldn't be travel. I could talk about travel, but in my mind, it was geared to women my age. Well, the funny thing is that I looked at the analytics recently and um, 52% of my viewers are men and 48% are women. Oh. And I think that, that that really surprised me, but I'm pretty sure I know why. Um, my most popular video is uh, pros and cons of owning a hot tub. And I've had almost 10,000 views on that. And I think probably more men look at that. I don't know why, but I'm thinking maybe more men. And then my next most popular video is best cruise lines for seniors. And, um, and so I think I'm drawing men in there, whether I know it or not. I also have makeup videos and fashion videos and things like that. I'm sure the men are not interested in, but I just love it because I, um, I'm unable to do my acting in community theater. Our theater is closed still Mm -hmm. and um, getting in front of the camera and talking to me, I feel like I'm on stage. So I just love it. I I, I love it, love it, love it. And my focus there is um, it's going to be with the YouTube channel and I'm not going to delete my silver voyage or anything, but um, it's, it's kind of on the side because I'm doing very well with Sandy over 70. It sounds like the only limitation, excuse me, the (laughs) only limitation would be your imagination. If you're talking about owning hot tubs and cruising and makeup. Exactly. Exactly. They tell you you're supposed to narrow it down to get a a big audience. And Mm -hmm. that is true, but I have so many things to tell people. And either to entertain them because some of them are funny or to give them information because my experience with my hot tub was not that good. And I've had, you know, women say, gee, thank you for that really honest video because I needed to hear that and it will help me make a decision. So Mm. I feel like, you know, I'm helping people in that respect. Yeah. Sorry, Gail. Yeah, that's okay. I'm curious, Sandra, are you um, monetizing these things? Oh, no, none of them. <laughs> uh, well, the blog never was big enough to make any money. And um, no, this is a, this is a this is a hobby. Um, I know a lot of what I found was almost all the people that go into blogging do it for the money. They think they're going to make money and the people online tell them they're going to make money. And I think it's so unfair Uh because the amount of people that actually make money has to be, you know, one-tenth of one percent. You do not make money from blogging. I mean, I see posts that, you know, they'll do a travel post and it'll be just loaded with ads. Well, who wants to wade through the ads, you know? Uh You can tell that they're not really serious. No, I never intended to make money. I don't need to make money. I'm fine. I'm retired. I'm fine. I'm not doing this for money. I just want to have something that stimulates my mind 
that mm-hmm. I can get passionate about if I can't mm-hmm. have acting or, you know, a really exciting job in the Red Cross, which I've had many in the past, mm-hmm. really stimulating. This is doing it for me right now. It, maybe mm-hmm. it won't in five years, but, you know, it's yeah. working for me now. Good. So, okay. so community theater is closed right now, but you uh, you started started in it about 20 years ago, maybe, doing community yeah, theater? Yeah, I was in my 50s, and yeah, I had cool. never acted in my entire life, and I was living in Florida at the time, and I saw an ad, they wanted some backstage help, and I thought, well, I can probably do that, and I dragged my girlfriend along, who was an act, a community theater actress, and of course, they said, oh, we need you as stage manager. I did not even know what that was. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I started, you know, backstage. And then I started taking little roles. And then they got bigger and they got bigger. And meanwhile, I realized how little I know about acting. So I started signing up for acting classes all over the place. Took as many as I could. Learned a lot. And um, then I felt more confident. And when I started, I didn't even know how to move myself on stage. I didn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. And, and what I, you know, I just changed so much and I'm so comfortable. And I just really like the bigger roles now, but they're hard to get because I'm aging out of them. <laughs> and uh, I just, I love being on stage. I love it. Love it. <laughs> what are, what you, you've had, some, you've had lead roles. What, what are a couple of your favorite ones? Oh, my goodness. My very favorite one was The Diary of Anne Frank, and I played Anne's mother. And Anne's mother in the play is very meek, and she never says very much, and she's very quiet. And then there's this scene where Mr. Van Dam steals the bread in the middle of the night, and she catches him. And I go nuts. And it's very interesting because I didn't know how to express anger on stage. And I had a director who said, you know, have you ever been really, really angry? I said, I don't think so. And mm-hmm. he came up to me and he like almost stepped, stamped my foot. He almost stepped on my foot, just came up to me and he made me so angry. And I used that anger and I did that scene to the point where my co-actors said, we were really scared of you. and I won a best acting award for it and it was wonderful it was what that was my very favorite (laughs) that's great so it's I assume that community theater will open up eventually are you prepared to go back our theater lost its lease right at the beginning of the pandemic I'm on the board of directors but honestly I don't know that we can ever recover we have no place to do the plays. So I'm hoping that um, the local theaters in Asheville and Hendersonville, which are nearby towns, seem seem to be trying to come back. Mm -hmm. And so I am being very alert to their audition schedule. And I think that's what I'm going to have to do and maybe get involved with Reader's Theater. I don't really like Reader's Theater. I like to act out, but, you know, I have to make do with what we have. But, yeah, I do want to act again. I just uh, was asked at the Hendersonville Theater to read a new play. We sat uh, on stage. There was about seven actors, and we read a new play that had been submitted. And it happened to be by 
a playwright that I know who's a friend of mine. I didn't realize he had done that. And we read the play, we acted the play, but we just sat there. And it was so great to just do that. We had an audience. So that was that was wonderful. Oh, I hope you get I hope you can get back into it even more. Um, you yeah. know, you said that um, you had three goals when you were young. You wanted to be a nurse. You wanted to live in a warm climate, and you wanted to travel. Right. So what can you t- What can you tell us about those accomplishing <laughs> those three? Well, um, I think a lot of us um, in the um, in when we were young in our age group at least felt I felt that. But um, I had three choices. I could be a nurse, a teacher, or a secretary. My sisters, uh, who are, again, 20 years older than me, one went to work for a bank and one went to work for the telephone company or something like that. And believe it or not, you know, my parents never expected me to go to college. That was never an expectation. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was never mentioned, ever. And... uh, But I knew from grade five, I think fifth grade is when I knew I was going to be a nurse. I didn't tell anyone until senior year of high school because I was afraid people would say to me, oh, all that blood. Oh, why do you want to be a nurse? Well, I had read the Sue Barton books at the library where I spent a lot of my time. I read seven Sue Barton student nurse books all the way up through, uh, the, the final one and I uh, read them three times. And then I read every other nurse book I could find in the library, mm-hmm. every other nurse book. So this was it. It was glamorous. It was exciting. You could live anywhere and do it. This was for me because mm-hmm. I wanted to travel, you know. And uh, in those days, we had mostly hospital schools of nursing for your programs. There were probably seven of them in Buffalo. And um, most nurses that's how you trained um there was Mm -hmm. one or two four-year programs but they were just coming in at that time just coming Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. and you had to pay and of course we didn't have any money so I couldn't do that so all of the hospital schools provided free training and free room and board but they would use you for service if they needed to they would use you for staffing it was only one hospital that had tuition and that was the Catholic hospital. The county hospital actually paid you a stipend to go through their program, a monthly stipend. So Mm -hmm. obviously this was wonderful for me. I picked up Buffalo General Hospital School of Nursing. They didn't pay me, but I didn't pay them either. Mm -hmm. And um, I had had free education for three years. I had free room and board. Um, All of my expenses for the three years came to $900. And that was for uniforms and books and senior pictures. And I had a scholarship that covered that. And so guess what? I went through three years of school um, with no loans or expenses mm. and came out, went to work. And uh, it was it was wonderful. It was perfect. And um, I loved being a nurse. But I didn't like bedside nursing all that much. Um, I have to say, that wasn't my favorite. I wanted to teach. I knew mm. I wanted to teach. And, um, and so that's exactly what I did. I went into staff development at at a big hospital in Miami, Jackson Memorial, which is a huge public hospital. And um, I I coordinated staff development for the medical services. And then when quality quality assurance 
came into being somewhere along the line in the 80s. And they said, well, Sandra, you do that. Go to the training, find out what that is. And so then I became the quality assurance coordinator for the division. And I liked that too. Um, and so I got to do, uh, you know, exactly what I wanted. And then I, I could, if I would get bored with the position, I could move around in this big hospital system and not lose my seniority. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, you know, they had, gosh, when I think of it now, they, they paid the pension. So they pay, I didn't pay a penny on my pension. And if I'd stayed for 30 years, I would have, you know, gotten full pension. I stayed for mm-hmm. 18, but still I get a pension from there. And, you know, you don't, you don't see that anymore. Maybe in teaching you have that, but most people don't have that anymore. You have to pay in or at least share or do something. You know? True. True. And then now you do you still where you were volunteering for the Red Cross? Do you still do that? Well, yes. You know, I started volunteering for the Red Cross after uh, after I stopped working. I did stop working very early. I was about 50 because I got married and my husband wanted to travel and he was he retired at 52. So I thought, well, why not? You know, so I stopped working. But of course, I had to be doing something. So, uh, well, what I did, first of all, is I went back to school and became a family nurse practitioner, which. I didn't really like, so I never did that, but I, I did the training for it. But then I found Red Cross, and Red Cross was wonderful. And I I was able to deploy to disasters um, throughout the country. And um, um, it was a little chapter here in Brevard that really had one and a half employees. They let me do anything I wanted, so I organized the volunteers, and I... And I uh, and I coordinated a disaster. And then uh, shortly thereafter, they created a paid position for me. Uh, and, um, but, well, I, I, I tell people this story. It paid $8 an hour. And I grabbed it. And this is why I grabbed it. Um, my husband had many uh, pre-existings. And we didn't have any kind of uh, medical care. We, we had, we, he couldn't get medical care in those days. You know, there was no way to get it. Uh, medical insurance. and. Mm-hmm. And so I needed the insurance. And so I picked up the best insurance to the Red Cross, the Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance. And we were both covered. I worked there five and a half years. And I earned so little that at the end of the month when we got paid, I had to write them a check to cover the rest of the engine. <laughs> but I but I loved it and it and it, you know, served us well. And mm. I did that for five and a half years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Now I still volunteer. I've been with them since 98, 1998. But mm. the, really, the only thing I do now is I'm, I, I help the chief nurse of the Red Cross at National Headquarters. I, I make videos for her sometimes, and I religiously take minutes at the um, National Nursing Committee meeting, just little things to help her uh-huh. out. Uh-huh. Excellent. And then tell us about travel, because I know that's been a big part of your life. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, I couldn't wait to travel. I couldn't wait to grow up <laughs> and travel. And so the minute I got out of nursing school, of course, I took a cruise because I had moved to Miami and uh, the cruise ships leave from there. So um, I took a number of cruises. It was very easy to do that on the weekend and um, you know, be home by Monday. And so I traveled a lot. And um, then maybe there was a period of time, maybe when I was in the middle of my career, I didn't travel so much. And then I remember dating someone before I got married that um, 
he liked to travel and he would he took me to Europe a number of times. So that was really great. And then when I got married, my husband, who had built a company from scratch, had never been to Europe and had really not traveled. And so when he retired, um, he was willing to, to travel. And I was, of course, willing to travel. So I just scheduled us to travel all the time that we could. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I've been to mm, 33 countries, 17 Caribbean islands. Um, and I know that I've taken 45 cruises because I, oh, I keep track yeah. of them. Yeah, of various lengths. And uh, we just came back. Our honeymoon trip was a riverboat cruise on the Snake and Columbia Rivers. And we're going on a uh, Caribbean cruise for New Year's. Um, it's a dance cruise. We're going to try mm. that um, because we're ballroom dancers. And um, we're going to go on a with a group that they'll be providing us with dance music every day. So we don't have to go searching around for a rumba or a cha-cha. Oh, how fun. Wow. Was that one of the reasons you got together? Because you both love to dance? You know, it's so funny. His friends all thought we met at a dance because he's been dancing for probably 12 years. He started dancing with his late wife after after he retired. Um, And they, they took lessons and they developed a whole network of dance friends and uh, so when, uh, you know, when, when she passed away, he was still going to dances. And so his friends all assumed he met me there. I, I didn't know how to dance, <laughs> we, but I was interested in dancing. And I checked off dancing on my profile on, on Match. And he, he always tells the story that there were two women he was interested in on Match, but I checked off dancing and the other woman didn't. So he <laughs> called me or he contacted me. And I had taken lessons, I think, at, you know, Arthur Murray when I was in my 30s, you know, the set of Mm -hmm. introductory classes. It's not like I had never taken a lesson I had, but, you know, what do you remember from from that? But um, when I met him and I found out that he he does ballroom dancing, I said, oh, that's great. He said, would you like to go? And I said, I don't think so yet. So I quickly signed up for dance (laughs) lessons like crazy, you know, and private lessons get me up to speed, you know. So I think I waited a month or two so I could do something. And then um, so then I tried to dance with them and it worked out pretty well. But uh, I continued my lessons. And then at some point um, I said, why, why don't you come with me to the lessons so they can teach me what you already know and that's what we did for years he would tell the instructor um he would show the instructor something that he had learned because he took years with Fred Astaire he'd show him a pattern and then the instructor would say oh okay and he would teach it to me and I think you know women catch on pretty well because we only have to follow and so I would catch on pretty fast and uh you know in no time at all like within a year I was pretty good so yeah we enjoy it (laughs) Wonderful. Um, Sandra, you planned, uh, when we, when I talked to you earlier, you talked about how you planned for your retirement and now you're, you're planning again, you're planning to move to a retirement community. So what is, um, tell us about that. How are you preparing and how are you, what are you looking forward to? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, um, I'd say maybe, maybe um, 14 years ago, I was reading a series of books um, by a local novelist who 
um, wrote about three women who got a house together in their retirement years so they could take care of each other and not be in this boarding house where they'd been relegated. And I thought, well, gee, that sounds good. Let me think if I, let me see if I can do that because I know I'm going to be alone in the end. At that, at that time, I, I may or may not have been married, but my husband had so many um, pre-existing conditions. It was a pretty good chance that I was going to outlive him which of course mm-hmm. I did. And uh, so I, I talked to some of my friends, hey, what do you think about this? Nobody was the slightest bit interested. So then I discovered these retirement communities. And I'm not talking about uh, the villages or anything like that. I'm talking about continuing care retirement communities where mm-hmm. you go in and you live independently, but there's the availability of assisted living, skilled nursing and memory care if and when you should need it. And some of them, um, you pay for that additional care out of your own funds as you need it, if you need it. And then some of them, which are called life care, you pay an upfront fee that covers you for the rest of your life, which is the one I I chose. And because I don't have um, long-term care insurance, so that's why I chose that Mm -hmm. one. So you pay a large entrance fee, but your monthly fee stays the same whether you need any uh, additional care or not. And mm-hmm. for instance, if if Steve were to go to, to skilled nursing and I was to stay in the house, normally you'd have to you know pay the house fee and you'd have to pay the enormous amount of money that skilled nursing requires. And uh, but here, um, and I'll tell you which one I picked in a minute, but here. Here, the monthly fee stays the same, even if mm-hmm. two of you are in two different places. So mm-hmm. it's like you're secure. And so that's called life care in a continuing care retirement community. So 12 years ago, I put a $1,000 deposit down at Deerfield Retirement Community in Asheville, North Carolina. And um, and through the years, I looked at many, many other ones. And I, I actually put deposits down at two other ones. Uh, but I eliminated one of them and, and basically it was down to two, but the other, the, the other one, the Carolina village one, um, I only signed up, I think two years ago and you have to wait years on these Mm -hmm. waiting lists after you give them the initial deposit to get something. So of course the Carolina village has never called me, but, but five months ago, I notified Deerfield that I was ready uh, to, uh, to move. And I gave them 11 different floor plans that I would be interested in. Some were apartments, some were villas, and some were cottages or, you know, individual homes, different, all different floor plans. And I waited (laughs) and I waited and waited and waited. (laughs) And it took five months and Mm -hmm. they just, it's been, I guess a month or two now, they just offered me a villa. And actually, when I talked with you, Catherine, I don't believe I, they had offered it yet, but they right. did. Yeah. And we went to look at it and it's absolutely perfect for us. It's an attached house. It's mm-hmm. um, 1,600 square feet, two bedrooms, a den, two baths, a living room, a deck, uh, you know, mm-hmm. grass all around. They take care of everything. And I am now in the process of making that happen. The person who lived there uh, was there for 20 years. So they are literally gutting the entire house. Mm. And I am, it's like I'm buying a new house. I'm selecting flooring. I'm selecting kitchen cabinets, knobs. I'm selecting granite countertops. I'm getting new bathroom uh, uh, cabinets, new toilet. Everything is going to be new. 
And um, so we are uh, hopefully moving in in February. And oh, it's goodness. really exciting. It's a little scary, but it's also very exciting. Congratulations. That, that's really exciting. Gail, do you have any I, questions? or No, I've just been fascinating, fascinating listening to you, Sandra. <laughs> Thank you. You know, Sandra, I just was kind of replaying the things that you have done that you started out knowing nothing about, being a <laughs> stage manager, acting, uh, writing a blog, doing a YouTube channel, dancing. It's just, yeah. It's, um, you must just have I, an Isn't it fun? I know the two of you have done the same thing with this channel, with this podcast, mm -hmm. right? Oh, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. But maybe fun. you didn't think it was fun. No, no. Oh, it, is, it is fun. From it the is beginning. Fun. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So is there a big, go, I'm sorry, Gail, go ahead. I was just going to say that you, when you have an insatiable appetite for learning new things, you, you have to dive in. And that's what you've been doing. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly mm -hmm. what I do. I dive in. Thank you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so before we, we close, which unfortunately we need to do in a minute, uh, is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners, share with them, Sandra? Oh, goodness, no. I've how how about, you think, I think about aging, if you think, even think about it at this point? Oh, I just think I am so lucky. I am lucky because I have my health yet. And when you have your health, you can do, you know, just about anything. Mm -hmm. um, your mind is still clear. You're not on a bunch of drugs. And so I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful for the genes that I've inherited. My sisters are still living alone at 92 and 94. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully I will, you know, have some years left. So, um, yeah, very grateful. <laughs> Well, we're going to follow you to see what comes next. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Sandra, for being with us today. It's really been a delight. Yes, thank okay, you. Okay, thank you. And listeners, you. please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review wherever you listen. Also visit our website, womenover70.com, and easily access all of our episodes. Become a member in the Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined Circle and enjoy programming beyond the podcast. See you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined.